With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop. Over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com. 502-969-8585. Oh. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springston of the My View Matters radio show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge each of you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks. Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email MyViewMatters at AOL.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Gentlemen, yes, welcome once again to the Ed Springston Show, brought to you by the NVM Radio Network, home of EdSpringston.com. You can go for all the stories, podcasts, really whatever we've got going. While you are at EdSpringston.com, I would ask that you please do a few things. First and foremost, like the thousands of people before you, please join the email newsletter. We'll send you updates on a weekly or a monthly basis, your choice. Secondly, please join the RSS feed. We'd like to send you that as well. The podcast delivered straight to your inbox. And finally, donate, donate, donate. Yes, we rely on you to try to help keep all this going. So if you can help us out, we'd appreciate it. There's a handy-dandy PayPal link there. So help us out if you get a chance. In the meantime, call in number as always, 858-683-1326. For those of you in the listening queue, we appreciate you being there as always, but please hit the number one on your dial pad if you'd like to be heard on air. Kind of sends me a flag so I know. The live chat is now open, and you can also reach me in Messenger on Facebook 
at Ed Springston if you have any comments that way. So all kinds of ways to hear from you. We have a lot on the plate. And I'm going to warn you now, folks, I, uh, I'm a little under the weather. Uh, apparently it's one of these colds, thanks to this weather going back and forth as usual. So, you know, it may uh, it may be a second or two sometimes. i got to sneeze or something. I'm going to mute that mic. So if you hear a quick one-second deadline, it will definitely be because of me. Uh, you know, I apologize. I don't know what's going on, but with this weather going back and forth, I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat. In the meantime, Mr. Martin, how are you? Well, oh, warm up. Worn out. <laughs> I'm telling you, this daylight savings time. I feel like I've been up since about. Geez, I feel like I've been up since about four thirty this morning. Like, ah. Uh, wow. Like anything else, it takes a few days to get used to it. But I've got a damn thing with you getting old, does it? No, no, no. I'm only a couple. Days, I'm only a day older than I was yesterday, so that ain't it. Right, right, right. I tell you, man, it'll take it'll take a week or two to uh, get it all straightened out, um, you know. But I mean, people get used to it. We all do. I, uh, you know, there is a, a movement afoot to kind of make daylight savings permanent, um, you know, so we don't have to do this changing every hour twice a year. And quite frankly, I just uh, I think it's the greatest thing in the world if we do it. It makes no sense to change an hour. Well, the kids are going to have to go to school in the dark. They're already going to school in the dark half the year. You know, so I, I just don't have a real problem with that. I know a lot of people do, um, but I don't. You know, it's a matter of using your damn head and, and paying attention. You know, it's all it is. Yeah. Well, so I like. I would like I if they would make it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, it wouldn't be daylight savings time. It'd just be, you know, whatever the hell the time is. And it stays that way. Exactly. The thing that always, thing that always gets me is when they, they go back to it, you know, they go back to standard right. time, it's... If I'm not mistaken, it's 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 fall back. It's right around the time the kids are you know the kids are in school, and it's like they sure. you know you got a bunch of kids, and then all of a sudden it's like oh well you know starting next week it's it's going to be you know, we're, we're turning the clock back, so it'll be right. it'll be light longer you know, <laughs> or, or right. Darker. And it's just like, you know, if, if they're going to do it, don't do it during the school year. You know, adults can deal with that. Kids, you know, they look down and say, right. damn, it, it's light. Like right now, you know, they turn it back. Why Why now? Because kids, now they're looking outside. It's it's 7 o'clock. They're not ready to come in. <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. Out. The sun's out. So it's like, you know, that, that's the thing. If they're going to do it, do it, do it outside of school year. But I'm, I'm with you. Just, just lock it one way or the other. We're all big kids. We understand that the days are shorter in the That's winter it. and the longer in the summer. It's all right. It's okay, guys. You know? That's it. And I, and I really don't know why they're worried about school kids anyway. Uh, you know, school kids go to school whenever the teachers decide they want them to come. So, you know, it. Uh, nobody cares about that anyway, right? And we'll get into a little bit of that actually here in a few minutes. A couple of quick things, man. Uh, I want to put out some congratulations to UK and UofL for good seasons this year. Uh, basketball, they wrapped up the regular season over the weekend. Uh, Louisville, of course, got beat by Virginia. Uh, but I tell you, that was a good game I liked watching. Even though Louisville got beat, yeah. I knew they were going to get beat towards the end. Because I tell you, it's the first time I've seen Louisville play with some energy and like they were, like they were really playing to win. And uh, you know, if they had been doing that for the last month, the record would be a lot better. Um 
but they played with everything they had on Saturday. You, I, I, I can live with losing games when you're putting forth the effort, and they really did. Uh, barring anything unexpected in the tournaments, the ACC tournament and the SEC tournament, I think they're both in. Kentucky is a lock, obviously, to be in the NCAA. I believe they've got yeah. a number one yeah. seed locked up. Uh, Louisville, yeah, I think, is totally, going in an eight or a nine. Yeah, if they totally go belly up in the, in the SEC tournament, which I don't think they'll do. Yeah, right. I think, I think they're, they're number two seed. If you know, depends on how they do against Tennessee. That 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 game is for a, a one seed. Well, and that's think, what yeah. they say. But you know, they also say that these tournament games don't matter. The committee's already made up their minds before they get to these conference tournaments. Yeah. I don't buy that. I know the conference tournaments make a big difference regardless of what they say. But I think Kentucky is a definite number one at this point. At the very worst, going to be a number two. Um, you know, Louisville, is, I think, is in the dance. No, I mean, you've got to think. Tennessee put a beat down on UK for the last go-around. Uh, Tennessee yeah. is ranked number one in the SEC. They've been ranked higher all year. So, I, I think Tennessee is the number one. I think UK is a safe number two. Uh, as long as they don't like totally go belly up in the tournament. Thing is, is you know, of course, Duke is a big unknown with having lost their, you know, uh, Zion. So, but that's just been some of the talk. Is like the ACC might actually have like two or three number one seeds. You got Virginia. You got possibly Duke. You get North Carolina floating around there with a number. You know, that's one of the big ones. Is North Carolina a number one seed? Or is UK in number one seed? Because they're four and five right now. If North Carolina wins the ACC tournament, it'd be hard to deny them a number one seed. If UK doesn't win the SEC, it's going to be hard to put them ahead of North Carolina. There's a little shift going on there. Yeah, but there's a lot of parity. I mean, everybody wants to be a number one seed, but then again, number two is pretty good, too. Yeah. Okay, folks, I apologize. Some reason or another, um, we just completely dropped Skype. I have no idea why. We should hey. be back on now. Uh, Ed, I don't know what happened. Um, it just popped up on the computer. Skype got lost. Tried to call back in twice. I could see you in the queue. I assume yeah. you were still talking because I obviously couldn't hear anything. And uh, Well, things went dead, and then I, it kind of got real quiet. And I thought, what do you mean? And I thought to myself, <laughs> she's got an opinion on, on North Carolina and Duke. It's like, uh, and it's like, oh, I've never... it's there. And I, call, I called back a couple of times, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I, I could see you calling in, but I couldn't talk to you because it was saying that I was disconnected for whatever reason. Um Apparently, we've got yeah, it worked I mean, out you, now, you so are, we'll take you it. Know, there's, there's a little double entendre there. You Ed Springson a bit disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, these are people that I call yeah. friends, right? Um, yeah, so anyway, but yeah, so it looks like yeah, we're back as far but, as everything but, goes. But I don't hear you. I don't hear you denying it, though. So, you know, well, I'm not stupid. I mean, why deny, yeah. why deny anything? You know, perception is reality to everybody. So if you deny it, they're just looking for an argument. So let them perceive what they want to perceive. I'm comfortable with who I am. So you know, how's that for an answer, huh? So it, yeah, uh, but you know, <laughs> well, I think Louisville goes in at an eight or a nine seed. You mentioned North Carolina and Duke. You know, I think I think that they get way too much credit. Oh yeah. I think I think oh, they yeah. get way too much favoritism. When I was looking at Duke and North Carolina as three and four last week, I was insulted. North Carolina has lost five games to to 
you know, people that he should have lost to. Uh, and when you look at Duke, Duke has been awful without Zion Williamson. That's all they've got. Yeah. So, you know, and you're looking at this, you're thinking, yeah, this is just the tournament hits. That's uh, really frustrating because Duke and North Carolina will end up with one of them will get a one seed, one will get a two seed regardless, and it doesn't matter what happens. That's just the way it's going to work. You know, and neither one of them deserve a one seed, in my opinion. I, I think you're looking at a two and maybe a three. Uh, between them, but no, I don't care for well, it. I don't like the favorite. Just if Zion's back in healthy, then they're legitimate. Do what? But if Zion is back, Zion Williamson's back and healthy, then they're a legitimate one seed. But well, I, you know, I tell you one thing: is just looking at the bigger picture, is he he has his shoe blowout and everything. It's a matter of, I think I think his stock just went up in the NBA draft. Oh like, man. Yeah, Duke, Duke was really good, but they lost him, and they were getting, you know, mm-hmm. they, they kind of fell apart. So everybody's like, okay, this guy's even, even more to him than than we right. thought. So. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of the same situation with uh, Kentucky and Reed Travis. You know, um, Reed Travis is not the, the blowout dynamo, or at least is not advertised to be like Zion Williamson is. But Kentucky has been an entirely different team without him. They took one loss without Reed Travis. That was the blowout of Tennessee. So, you know, all of these things add up. So you do have impact players that make a difference. Now, Reed Travis has started practicing last week, no contact practice, and so does Zion Williamson. According to uh, Mike K at Duke, Zion should be able to go in the AC tournament, but he will most definitely be able to go for the NCAA. And that's essentially the same thing that John Calipari said about Reed Travis at UK. So I would look for both of those teams to use them during their conference tournaments, but only if necessary. They're going to let them rest as much as they can. Uh, if, if either one of them needs them, I think they're both ready to go. Because you want to tell you they're practicing without contact. They've been practicing for a while. You know, they always they always try to up that like they're not really doing or where they need to be. And then they sneak them in. So I don't fall for that. But uh, – but Zion is definitely an impact player, but I think Duke and, and North Carolina have gotten favorable treatment for the last few weeks, and I just don't, I just don't like it. You know, um, that's the way it is. But, you know, other basketball news real quick, and I do want to move on to, to politics, folks. Uh, Rick Pitino, of course, is back in the news. Uh, him and his attorney uh, last week were making statements. Uh, U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan uh, made what many consider to be provocative statements. Um, I personally think that Kaplan should be admonished for making these statements. Um, but essentially, Kaplan is the one that's overseeing the basketball bribery case uh, that concluded last Tuesday. And Kaplan actually made reference to Rick Pitino uh, during sentencing. Rick Pitino was never charged with anything. Rick Pitino hasn't been proven to be guilty of anything. Uh, Rick Pitino hasn't had any anything against him at all, other than other than you know hearsay, right? They've never been able to do anything. They've never tried anything. But apparently, Judge Kaplan decided to reference Pitino during sentencing, uh, and he mentioned a wiretap conversation uh, from defendant Chris Dawkins and Merle Code, uh, who who had brought Pitino's name up and used the word plausible deniability. Um, about the recruitment of Brian Bowen, which started all the mess with with U of L. Now, that's not anything, you know. I mean, I you know I talk I I use that term all the time on myself. 
you know, people will talk to me about different things, and, you know, and I'll tell them there's certain things I don't want to know. That way I've got plausible deniability. It's just a term to me because I don't want to know those things. Otherwise, I'm going to, if I'm ever called to testify, I will have to testify. I won't lie for anybody under oath. You know, so those, those kind of things are just a couple of guys talking as far as I'm concerned because there have been no charges. But Kaplan made the statement that I'll never forget that statement. They knew it was wrong, and they were covering their tracks, and they were making sure they were covering Rick Pitino's tracks. Why were they covering Rick Pitino's tracks? Because they knew he was out if he did know. That's a statement to me. Uh, the judge made that statement. Rick Pitino was not on trial. In this particular case, I stand behind Pitino 100%. He was not on trial here. He was not charged with anything. He wasn't a witness to anything. He was never even asked to make an appearance in this court. And yet the judge just convicted Rick Pitino uh, of something that, that he hadn't even charged with. So I think that that proves bias in the judicial system. Uh, Pitino and them have already filed a, a complaint uh, against the judge, but it's not going to matter. Uh, it never does. Trust me. It's a closed game with those boys. It's like, it's like NCAA referees. Complain all you want to, but it really doesn't matter. They're going to be at the next game doing whatever they want to do, you know. But I think that was dead wrong by the attorney. So that's something U of L will have to sort out. But you know, will have to sort out. But I thought that was something worth uh, mentioning because a judge actually is now proving his bias uh, in a very public way. So that uh, is something we're going to have to watch. Uh, in the meantime, we do have real news. <clears throat> yes, we do. We'll get into the Louisville Zoo in a second. But I want to talk about this whole tax thing. The Metro Council is supposed to vote um, on the 21st on whether to accept Greg, Greg Fisher's proposed tax increases. Uh, what's amazing to me is they basically, the council took basically a vote last week and voted 18 to 8 uh, to hold off on voting in favor or against the bonds until after they decide whether or not they're going to increase taxes. The reason for that is Fisher went last week and tried to get them to approve some bonds. Uh, he's trying to get all these debt-funded capital projects going. These are projects that Greg Fisher knowingly knew we didn't have the money for, started yep. construction on them anyway, and now he's caught because he ain't got the money to complete them, you know, like $89 million bond that he started with the Omni and all these other bonds he's done for everybody else. You know, he is building everything in his town on debt that the city has to pick up for private business. Dead wrong, in my opinion. That's where your shortfalls are. It has nothing to do with the pension. But now he has said they're going to have to suspend work on the capital projects. They're going to have to suspend so, work on things yeah. like repairing roads, all these other things. So I look out every day. I live out off Dixie Highway area. And I look out every day. And, 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 of course, Greg Fisher's out there saying, if we don't have this, it's going to affect our bond rating and everything else. So I'm sitting here asking myself one basic question today, and then I want you to weigh in. The basic question is this. So we started a years-long project on Dixie Highway that did, we, we didn't have any funding for that's now going to sit there like this when there was, nothing was wrong with it in the first place. It's now going to sit there like this unless we get to his tax increase and raise more money. So don't we typically approve money for these construction projects before we start them? So if we've already approved that money and that money's already been allocated for these projects, then where did that money go? Go ahead, Ed. Well, my first question is, is he sitting back and 
pitching a fit about the roads and stuff. Um, the fuel taxes we pay, what the, you know, if, if I'm speaking in warehouse language, I'm going to say, okay, well, all right, you know, whatever, 42 cents a gallon. What the fuck is that for? You know, like, I don't know shit. Roads, roads, schools, schools and roads are in fire protection district. I mean, you pay that part of your property tax too. So fire protection it, it's its own itemized, it's its own line on the, on your taxes. You pay for it. You live in, I live in the Eastwood Fire Protection District. I pay for it. Uh-huh. I live in, you know, I fill up with gas. Therefore, I use the roads per gallon that I use on the roads. I pay for them. It's a usage tax. Uh, school yep. systems, you live in a certain school district, your property taxes pay for it. So those three things, I, I get so sick and tired of like. Ooh, we can't fix the roads. Oh, I'm sorry. What was I paying taxes for at the gas pump? What am I paying usage taxes on my car for? What, what is all that going to? Just, just you know, help me out here. I'm not. I don't, I don't right. want to come off as completely ignorant. But you, you two-faced bastards. That's right. That is that is a usage tax. And I've had arguments with with other libertarian types. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm not. That opposed to gas taxes because if it makes a better road, you might save me as much in gas. You know, being stuck in traffic or busting a tire. You know, I was getting ready to make a joke about Dixie Highway, so I, I didn't. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. There's a reason. There's a reason there's so many tire shop and alignment shops on Dixie Highway. You know, but but that's what we pay taxes for. That's what we pay tire. We pay we pay a, a certain tax on tires. <coughs> you know, so we pay for the roads. So man, shove that up your ass. You know. We're paying for the roads. Every right. time we hit the gas pump, we're paying for the roads. We're paying. We're paying for the schools. So leave them. That's off the table. My property taxes that are set aside for the school. That's done. Fire and EMS. I don't know about when you live in the in the inner, in the city city, but when you live in the when you live in the little the cities on the outside, the little organizations outside the city proper, you pay for it. So I'm suspecting without we pay for it out here too. Bill, yeah, so we're paying for it. So that stuff should be it should be in its own encapsulated, uh, you know, segmented thing. So he said, "Is a rule, you know, fire, fire, and EMS, and all this." He's like, "No, no, no, we're not paying for that. That that's a separate line item. That's it's 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 all compartmentalized. So it should be. So fight me on that. Yeah, I'm agree with it. He's he's sitting here. He's doing what all politics, what, what far too many politicians do." He's signing on with long-term debt, you know, like MSD and, and others. They're getting all these long-term debt. Probably going to try to play a swap game, thinking they're so damn smart. But right. they do this long-term debt. So hey, this is his last term. So when he's gone, this debt, you know, it's just like just like uh, the previous mayor and stuff. Everybody wanted to sign on and get the Yum Center. It's like, oh, this is great, you know. But then when right. debt servicing comes along, it's like, oh crap, you know. Who was who was the mayor who signed off on the Yum Center? Well, you know that's it. That's exactly he's it. Gone. And we look at this. He's uh-huh. gone, and Fisher's Fisher is gone. We're still this. stuck with all that shit, right? Yeah, and and, yep. and and Fisher is playing the same crap game, uh, same shell game. He wants to get well, all the debt lined up. He wants to build the Omni. He wants to build the soccer stadium. He wants to build the 
whatever sure. else the hell he wants to build. He wants to build and just a couple of weeks before the election. Urban League's indoor of... track that nobody's going to use. And it's like, oh, right, right, kids, right. will use, kids will use it and they'll be able to get scholarships. It's like, you know. Well, see, that's my, that's my favorite. I was, on, now, I was on a track team. I was on a track team in college. They got news for you folks. There's not a lot of track scholarships out there unless you're just an absolute freak. So, right. you know, yeah, so that's a complete waste of time. But he wants to build all this crap, and then 20, 15 years from now, everybody will be going, oh, good God, our jet, our jet is, is just incredible. Right. And everybody's going to go, where did that come from? And I'm going to be looking at going, uh, you know, 10 years later, I'm 65, kiss my ass. <laughs> that's right. not my problem. I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's exactly where we're at. And, and what I like here, now this is the thing that I actually like about all of this, because I've been bitching for years about Democrats just, just just following the chain, right? And I still think they're going to. March 21st, they're going to go ahead and vote to approve whatever Greg Fisher wants approved. They will vote that way on the 21st. But at least for now, there's some Democrats on the council who are trying to pretend like the bipartisan, and I'll take it. Uh, the seven-member Republican uh, caucus, led by Kevin Kramer, uh, decided to approve the motion to table this bond ordinance last week, and he was joined by some Democrats. Uh, quite frankly, a couple of them really surprised me. Jessica Green, Barbara Shanklin, Rick Blackwell. Uh, I did not expect them to vote with the Republican caucus to table this, Shanklin, and they did. Shanklin surprised, Shanklin surprised me. All three of them surprised me. Jessica Green surprised me. Barbara Shanklin surprised me. Blackwell surprised me. Uh, Jessica Green, though, she has been vocal against this, so I'll give her credit for that. You really haven't heard a lot from Barbara Shanklin, though. Uh, Rick Blackwell is, is nothing but a putz as far as I'm concerned, and the fact that he, he went along with this surprised me. But so did David Yates, Brent Ackerson, those two guys. Brent Ackerson, I expected him to Ackerson, Brent absolutely, Ackerson, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He is a class guy. He is a class guy. But David Yates, uh, he became council president, what, two, three years ago for the first time. you know. And, and I tell you what, David Yates, from the time he started on the council till now, has really come a long way. And I think the experience he gained as Metro Council president and had to work to appease both sides, or at least you know try to be as bipartisan as he could, really opened his eyes to a lot of things. So I'm very pleased to see Yates and Ackerson and the rest of these uh, Democrats jumping on here. Uh, some new guys, Keisha Dorsey, uh, Donna Purvis, Paul McCrady, and uh, Mark Fox, they also sided with the Republican caucus. Uh, you know, Now, here's, here's what's really funny here. Uh, Fisher wants to go out and say that this is going to put worthy projects in jeopardy. So I guess his bike lanes are in jeopardy. Uh, those are what he mm -hmm. considers worthy projects. But he also goes out there and, and, and he's trying to blame the Metro Council for all of this. Uh, you know, he said that the new guys on the council really don't understand the consequences of these <laughs> actions. So, you know, and he also said that of the $83 million bond issue that he's seeking right now, 19.3 million of it, almost 25%, has already been spent. And an additional $19 million is obligated to contractors for work already in progress. So he's telling us that almost 40% of this money has already been spent and we didn't have it. So now he's going yeah. out and starting projects and spending money that hasn't been approved yet. Yep. You see? Greg Fisher is so the kind of guy. The thing. He, it's the kind of person who goes out and spends what they think they're going to get on the tax return Absolutely. before they file the tax return. That's exactly what he's doing. 
Uh-huh. And he's creating, he's, he's engineering a crisis by spending it going, we got to do this. We're going to get sued if we, I heard that one. You know, these contractors are going to sue us if we don't. It's like, you know what? Uh-huh. You and the contractors need to pound sand. You both got Absolutely. And you know what? If, if I'm a contractor, you know, I'm going to want to know the money's there. I want a surety bond or something. You, you didn't have the money. Basically, basically, everybody was building stuff and spending money based, based on the fact that the mayor said, hey, I can get this city council to do whatever the you hell betcha. I want. And you I betcha. don't doubt for a second, I don't doubt for a second that that's why some of those Democrats went that way, because they finally got, as they say, they finally woke up. And they realize that this mayor is trying to preempt it. He's, he's doing an end round on him. He's basically saying, look, I spent the oh. money. Give me the fucking money. And, and that's well, about he's what required. And that's the thing. He's required to get Metro Council approval before he gets any bonds or anything else. So if he went out and made these deals with contractors, all right, one, the contractors, the only thing they're really pissed off about is the fact that they already gave the campaign contributions to him to get the contracts, and now they might not finish them. That's what that boils down to. They always overbid it, and they put that money back into the daggone Democrat pockets for campaign and all the other bullshit. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a game. It really is. But what's really fascinating about here is if the mayor signed a contract with these guys without having the approval of the Metro Council, then the mayor yeah, is basically liable? forged an illegal contract. So who's got the liability here? If you're going to sue, I would think that you would have to sue Greg Fisher personally. You don't get qualified immunity by no, committing an that, illegal act. Either, either, and that's either what that did. or you're a, you're a contractor doing work for the city. You got whether it's you no good or whatever. You know what? Right. You just got to deal with it. You got to deal with it, folks. Sooner or later, you're going to get your money. But I'm sorry. You you went and you, you started work on something Probably pretty damn lucrative at that. And oh, I promise you, it's lucrative. The, the money, you don't think, you don't think these guys are just, yeah. You don't think Dixie Highways look like that for all this time if it wasn't lucrative, do you? If, if they weren't going to get paid yeah. until that thing was done, Dixie Highway would have done it in six months. If they'd have hired me and, and let me run my crews yeah. out there back when I was doing business, it would have been done a long time ago. You don't play games with this. You push it to get it over. No, this is because they have yeah. enough money to sit on their ass all winter. And that's fine. They're not hungry. But if yeah, Fisher fact, did this and without Metro Council approval, he screwed yeah. up. It's his liability. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And the fact is, he said, oh, these, these contractors are going to sue us. It's like, you know what? As the saying goes, they'll only see you once. Right. Because after that, after that, you're out. You know, so are these yep. contractors going to sue the city? No, no, they'll take their lumps, they'll deal with it, because the, the first time they sue the city, and they come right at the city, and say, well, we're going to sue you for, you know, for delaying our project or whatever else, we're going to sue you, right. and, and we're going to punish your ass, it's like, okay, put them on the list. <laughs> right, oh, I agree with you, I agree with you, you know, and of course, Bill Hollander and David James are jumping on uh, Greg Fisher's bandwagon. You know, David James is setting himself up for a mayoral run in the next election. Now the Fisher's out of the way. I get it, you know, but this is going to hurt him. Uh, I really believe that. And, I, you know, I, I don't know why he did it this way. Bill Alder, of course, he's always going to be a, a Democratic hack and, and follow the leader. Uh, you know, but but it really is interesting. You know, I think, I think what ultimately happened here was, uh, you know, Fisher put himself between a rock and a hard place, and Kevin Kramer called his bluff. Let's bring McAdam in real quick. Go ahead, Mr. McAdam. How are you? Uh, I'm actually glad little, you uh, called. Go ahead. Just a little item you may uh, well take it for what it's worth, but contracts that are issued by the city 
all have a special clause in it that says that if the legislative body does not approve funds for this contract, it's null and void. Okay. Well, there one you go. The, one of there the risks go. that you take in doing business with the city is, mm-hmm. by state law, the the city cannot uh, the city can have bonded indebtedness, right? Uh, and that that affects the city's credit rating. And and they can have specialized bonds like like industrial revenue bonds or parking mm-hmm. lot bonds, parking structure bonds, but but operating expenses can never exceed the income that they that they bring in. In other words, the city right. city can't can't, can't have a, a running debt like uh, like the federal government has. It has to have a balanced budget every 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 fiscal year. I'm and glad. So, so the, and so some I of these projects some. Some of these projects are spread out over more than one fiscal year, and that's what he's bitching and moaning about. Uh, and, and you know, if they don't raise taxes, they're not going to have enough money to have the uh, the uh, 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 drag queens uh, come to the library and, and read to the kids. You know, right, gonna, right, they've, they've right, already right. had to cancel that program once. Right, uh, right. And they, did, they didn't say it. They didn't say what it was, but obviously it's because they're short on money. Uh, you know, these drag queens have have a lot of expenses with their outfits and so forth. They they tend to dress up pretty nice for those things. And and you know, we want our kids. Well, here's to, the uh, thing. Into, here's the thing, though, and this is why I'm, this is why I'm glad you called. Cause I want I want to ask you this, and we're going to get another story in a minute. So I hope you stay on the line because I really want your opinion on it too. But here's the thing, you know. Of course, you know Michael Connell is going out there saying this is this is this is wrong. The city is going to have all this liability. Blah blah blah. He's using Matt. Yes, I'll blow you, Mr. O'Connell Golden. Uh, you know to go out there and make that case for him. You know, and Matt Golden is out there putting out the doomsday that this is going to result in claims against Metro for projects with existing contracts. Uh, you know, and the, the stop well, working, a, the temporarily stop yeah. working contractors. Are going to but put Metro for, well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm glad you called, because that's what I was going to point out, the fact that this is the doomsday crap that they're putting out there, and you just proved that it's a lie. I mean, for people who yeah. don't know who you are, you used to work for the city. You know this stuff. You're an attorney. Well, they, they, they do, you they do have some contracts that go from fiscal year to fiscal year, so right. they'll have a, uh, a park uh, – uh, revitalization program, and they'll have phase one in this fiscal year, phase two next fiscal year, phase three the fiscal year after that. And so, whoever the but contract isn't that is, money, but isn't that no, money already supposed to be part of their appropriations? So no, no. they, they, they should have come back every year for a new bond. Yeah, no. Well, well they put the a lot of here's what I'm saying. Okay, here, let me let me let me try to simplify for my audience. I, I apologize for interrupting, you, but I really want to do this. You've got a $100 million project, four-phase project. It's going to cost $25 million a year for four years straight. Right. You've funded the first phase this year for $25 million. You have right. agreed to fund the next three phases over the next three years. So when you put the budget together for next year, you have to include that phase two funding of $25 million. That's not a new bond. That's part of your existing budget based on an existing agreement. It's a four-year contract. So what I'm getting at is... This should already be in the budget each year when they're doing this on these long-term contracts like that. And if they're not doing that, then they're coming back and playing hardball, expecting us to go out and borrow money to pay for it. Then they promised something they couldn't deliver in the first place. Why are we in this situation? Am well, I reading they, that wrong? 
it's just like when the city signs a lease. Okay, mm-hmm. the city the city will sign a lease uh, to uh, lease an office space for some some agency uh, with a with a private landlord, and the lease might be a five year lease, but there's a clause in there that says this lease is terminated for any fiscal year where where the city council doesn't appropriate money for it. Right. So it's a loop. It's a loophole. Any any contract that you have with the city. That, that goes for longer than a year ha- has a loophole in it. The city can cancel that contract at any time, and and the other part of the contract can't sue. There's it has no right. no basis for a lawsuit. So, so well, what Golden go. is what Golden is saying is what the mayor wants him to say, but it just That's doesn't have to be, happen to be the law. That's what I'm getting at. So they're putting out here well, a lie well, once well. again. And let me spelling and let the me just say this. Go ahead, Ed. You heard it. You heard it first here on this show. Yeah, the Career Journal didn't touch it, but we got it. <laughs> well, well, you know, I can't imagine the Courier didn't catch it. Thank you, Mr. McAdams. Mm-hmm. The, the Courier, <laughs> first of all, the Courier couldn't, comp- Courier couldn't comprehend it, and their stenographers, right. they don't think. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, Ed, you disappeared. What's going on? Nah, I'm still here. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You just went dead quiet. I thought you had more to say. My bad. Huh. Okay. So we, so we look at this, and that, that's where I was actually leading. What, what was this, you know, doomsday scenario that Greg Fisher has got his cronies, Michael Connell, Matt Godin. He's even got little Daniel Frock out there. You know, the Frocks are great friends with the O'Connells and Fishers. Uh, you know, Daniel Frock is one who is running the budget, right? So, you got all these, you got all, or David Frocht, I'm sorry. You got all of these daggone, it is Daniel, it's not David. So you got all these daggone guys sitting in here as part of the cabal, the mafia cabal, and that's exactly what it is, sitting here saying, okay, we're going to sell these people on a lie so that, so that we can force them to do this. And all Kevin Kramer did, uh, you know, he said simply, he said, hey, look, we're not saying we shouldn't pay for anything in there. All we're saying is table it, slow it down. If we're truly in crisis mode and Fisher wants us to solve the budget problem now, you know, the budget problem that Christian Fisher himself created, then we have to look at all options. So all they did was table this long enough to get some answers to some questions so they can make sure they're being, you know, financially prudent. That's their job. So, you know, this is all. This is all the way it is. What they're bitching about now is that Kramer didn't get a hold of Frock beforehand. Blah blah blah. You know Fisher's decision to suspend construction projects, all this other stuff. You know thinks he's going to force these guys into rushing through this. You know they're going to give into it anyway. They always do. The Democrats have the majority. This is all nothing more than political posturing. But for now, I'll take it because it exposes the lie, and that's what I'm after: is exposing the well, lie. Golden was quoted uh, yesterday in the newspaper. It says, mm-hmm. asking a contractor to stop work temporarily may put oh. Metro at risk for additional right. claims of contract delay. And that's, that's right. just not true. I any, agree. Any, that's any, why I'm any city contract, every city contract has to have that clause in there because the right. city may not may not commit to funds that are not reasonably going to be collected during the fiscal year. Now, right. sometimes, sometimes the city contracts for, 
you know, 20 new new uh, police cars and before they're delivered realizes that uh, the the amount of taxes that year is not going to reach the expectations. They have to uh-huh. cancel those contracts. And right. and 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 the the car company doesn't doesn't get any kind of uh, of uh, of uh, damage payment for canceling right. that contract because right. that's in I, I I used to review city contracts. I know what they say. <laughs> well, they see, have, that's what they I'm saying. Say that's what I'm saying. You worked for the city as a lawyer for years, so that's what I'm saying. I was glad you called in to talk about that. You know, th- this is very very interesting. It really really is. Um, you know, I want to move on because we've got a couple other things I really want to get into. Um, it's going around now. We actually had some teachers. I talked to some parents today that told their students that they will probably do another sick out tomorrow and Wednesday. Thursday, of course, is a vote at the state for this house bill they're screaming about. Now, I want to be real clear here, people. Okay, and I'm dead serious about this. It's time the state comes in, assumes all control of Jefferson County Public Schools and any other county who's got this problem assumes full control of those daggone places, disbands the union, disbands JCPS, and takes full control state-run school system for the remainder of the school year. For the remainder of the school year, once they fire all of these people who keep calling in and causing this crazy stuff, then they should be out hiring new teachers, non-union new teachers, to go into those classrooms in the fall. That's number one. Number two... There can be no makeup days at the end of the year because of these teachers' shenanigans. These are not legitimate school days. These are not legitimate cancellations. These are teachers running around like whiny-ass titty babies because they're no longer going to have the full power that they've always had to pad their pockets in themselves. All right? And finally, finally, if necessary, shut the schools down for the rest of the year. You can't have a kid going to school one day a week not knowing whether they're going to be in school the next day or anything else and actually learn anything. Kids aren't wired that way. Now, here's what I want. Here's what I want, and this is where I'm glad you're on the phone. I personally think parents should file a class action lawsuit against the Jefferson County public school system and against the union itself, and here's why. Here's why. These parents don't have the same luxury that these teachers do. When these teachers call in, these parents have to make arrangements with daycare, stay home from work, everything else. When they call into work, they take a chance on being fired. They could be fired for calling into work. So they have to call in one day two weeks ago, two days last week, and two days this week. It disrupts the workflow to the private sector. Private employers don't put up with that. They fire you for not being a dependable employee. So these parents have now jeopardized their jobs, maybe not all, maybe some are lucky, they got somebody to take care of the kids, but there's a whole lot of these parents have now jeopardized their jobs and their livelihood to provide for these same children because they are forced to take care of to stay home that day when their child is supposed to be in school during their work hours. Second thing, we talk about safety. We got to take care of the kids. We got to be safe. We started the show talking about this daylight savings time thing and everybody's worried about the safety of the kids in the dark. What about the safety of the kids when a mama, or when a single mama has to go to work anyway, if she's going to lose her job, and that kid is seven years old and they're staying at home mm-hmm. by herself because the mama ain't got no choice? How safe is that kid? So if it's a safety issue, then the Jefferson County school teachers have just created a safety issue. 
So they have jeopardized the parents' jobs and their wages. They have jeopardized the safety of the children because they don't want to give up full control and, and everything else and give up the, any kind of power so that they might actually be held accountable like everybody else is. I think those are two mitigating factors for this wildcat strike, and let's call it what it is. It's a wildcat strike. I think we have precedent because Ronald Reagan fired the air traffic controllers for a wildcat strike, and guess what? The courts upheld it. The courts upheld it. I don't know why Matt Bevin doesn't do the same thing now. Fire all of these people, make whatever justice we have to, but they have jeopardized the safety of the kids. They have jeopardized the welfare of the kids because the parents are able to go to work. The problem is the the teachers don't work for Matt Bevin. They work for the school board, and the only person that can fire them is the superintendent. And he is afraid of the of the of the union, like everybody else is. And and so the only way that the that the that the governor would be able to do that is is to do what they attempted to do, and that is completely you know de- declare the the school system bankrupt, take over the school system, uh, which they have in other counties. Uh, and uh, and run it as 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 a state institution. That would make, well, like I said, hear me make, on this. Hear me on this real quick. Hear me on this real quick. If you notice, I said the state needs to take over the schools. Yeah, all right. Have to do that. But the that parents the need to step. file the yeah. lawsuit. The parents need to file the lawsuit against JCPS and the union. I didn't say anything about filing against the state. Each county has to make that decision. But we, our our, our parents here in Louisville. Should be filing a lawsuit against JCPS. I made that distinction for a reason. I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Well, uh, the problem is parents don't have any standing to sue the school board. We don't. We don't have taxpayer lawsuits in Kentucky like they do in California and some other states. And so, basically, there's no contractual relationship between the parents and, and the school board. You know, I mean, they they tried getting into federal court with, during the mm-hmm. busing. And all the courts unanimously said the parents, you, you just have to take what the school board gives you. They are elected officials, and if you don't like it, your only remedy is to elect, elect somebody better. And I, I, believe me, I would love to be a party to a, to a, a lawsuit like that, uh, based on not just not just the parents, but the taxpayers that are getting cheated. Uh, because I think what so these Matt teachers Bevin, are doing is illegal. So if Matt Bevin takes over the Jefferson County Public School System and makes a state control, the JCPS is de facto basically a nobody. They have no say-so in anything anyway because the state controls it all, correct? Yeah. Okay, so we don't get the lawsuit. Bevin takes control of the school. If that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. However, I do wonder if parents don't have standing, if parents don't have standing, to file a lawsuit against JCPS for endangering the safety of their child. That that is an argument. That is an argument. But the safety, the the, the first duty of safety to the child is the parent. Okay. Yeah. And and so the school is going to. But say, wait a minute. But wait a minute. We're, we're, we're dealing. We're dealing with the. school is closed, dealing, it's, it's your responsibility, <laughs> Daddy. To well, here's take the care beauty of, of it. Babies. Here's the beauty of it, though. Here's the beauty of it, though. Even if it gets tossed out of court, I think it's worthwhile. And here's why. 17 of 19 judges today are female. Didn't we just read a story on that the other day? That's right. Last week or something? 17 of 19 judges are female. Most of those are parents of school-aged children. They are. Okay? 
They're most of their parents are school age children. They're all liberals and Democrats who always want to scream about we got to do this for the kids. We got to do this for the kids. Think about the corner that points this whole liberal farce into. You got a school system that's saying fuck the kids, and if the judges allow the school system to get away with that, they're saying fuck the kids too, which the mitigates are, all of this liberal crap that the jurors are out there doing. The they get involved in elected, everything else. The judges are elected by the same voters that elect the school I get board. It. My oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. The judges aren't going to take pick a fight with the school teachers. You know, It'll I take, get it. it it would take a it would but take a pretty a, strong judge to do that. The what a but what a potent thing that is to get out to the public to let them see how they how it really works with the judicial system and the unions trying to screw screw the kids for their own personal gain. Seventeen or nineteen judges are female. Most of those are parents of school aged children. They have to make the same arrangements we do. Now, if this judge is a single parent, there's a couple of them on there. If this judge is a single parent. Um, Katie King, for example, she's a single mom, right? Yep. She calls in and has to clear her docket for the next two days. I can't come into work for the next two days because I've got to take care of my children, right? There's no re- there's no repercussions to her. She gets her paycheck anyway. She doesn't get any trouble for absences. Judges decide when they want to work and when they don't want to work That's with no right. repercussions whatsoever. So they are de facto their own business. They can decide when they want to work, when they want, don't want to work, but they've got a guaranteed income. All right? That's the way it works for judges. Then again, there's another hypocrisy that could be pointed out to the general public. I'd like <laughs> to find me one or two plaintiffs to find me an attorney who would file it. Even if it gets thrown out of court, even if it gets thrown out of court, we have all these factors. We can unmask the bullshit that's going on in Jefferson County court system and the Jefferson County Teachers Union and JCPS. That's why a lawsuit Ed, I, is necessary. Ed, I think you ought to run for mayor. Uh, I did that. I don't feel like doing that anymore. If I was a mayor, I wouldn't be allowed that to. I wouldn't be allowed to get anything done if I was mayor. I couldn't go out there and be public like I am now. I get more done behind the scenes than I ever would being elected. That's why we're running for office. But it's, I'm serious though. Those are things we have to look at. At least that's what's going to be in the next story I put out. So we have to look at these things. This is a very concerning thing that these teachers can call in sick anytime they want to without any repercussions. What the hell's going on? Ed Martin? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I'm with McAdam. I, I don't think the courts are, you know, I think nowadays in old teacher society, people roll their eyes at, at lawsuits all the time. I think what they need to do is, is to look at, you know, and I don't think people are going to lose their jobs because as an employer, I can tell you, when, when Bullitt County or Jefferson County schools are canceled, you know, and I get a call from an employee, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to fire them. I'm like, well, this definitely sucks. Um, yeah, get in when you can. I, I know it's cool. Because it's not like it's something. It's just like a snow day, you know. So I think most employers are going to be all right about it. And I think what needs to happen, and it's not going to happen, but the media needs to get hold of some of these, as you said, these single moms and stuff that are that are that are getting it done. You know, working working two part time jobs or you know a full time mm-hmm. job or whatever, and they're in some cases making, in many cases, probably making half what the teachers are making without benefits, and if they're going to have to burn, you know, paid time off or, or non paid time off, they're they're, they're going to be impacted. And they've got you know, from I look at it from their point of view that you got some people out there working their ass off. You got you know the working poor just. You know, is, is Jefferson County is school a babysitter? No, 
but it's part of how they manage their household. And it's hurting these people. It's hurting low-income people probably more than it's hurting anybody else. Because, you know, you've got some executive at a hospital or UPS or something. No, it's not a big deal. They might burn a few holidays. But, yeah, for the working poor that, that, you know, at the end of the month, there's $13 left over after rent, food, and utilities. Yeah, yeah, this is this is bad news. So I, I think the media won't do it, but that's what needs to happen. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know about firing the teachers because then you have to you know, figure out how to replace them. But well, I, but what I you can this, do think, think, is you can say me, that any any sick day that's not accompanied by a letter from the doctor is an unexcused absence, and your doctor pay for that day. They can't yeah, do they that under do that. the existing contract. Well, they they won't. But they do won't. It. They won't do it. Well, but yeah, should. you're right. They they should. But and, and that's okay. That's why most companies move to to PTO and NPTO paid time off. They don't really. They, we I got a company. We don't have sick. They got to a point. You knew somebody was sick. It's, why drag things out and go to the doctor? You look at them and say, dude, you look you look terrible. Go home. You know. <laughs> Sure. Doctor, well, here's the thing. To, you know, we're not we're not going to say you have to miss work and then you got, and then you got to go weasel your way into a doctor's office and spend mm-hmm. money that you're not making in the first place. That, but no, I I I just look at it and I think I think that this is a poorly played hand by the teachers, very poorly played hand, and it is you know when you hear people talk about it's a it's a calling you know and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. What the public is seeing, and the teachers' union, and everybody needs to understand, the public sees these people as. But this as, is not. It's about it's it's about money. It is about. Of course, money, it is. And it is about power, and it is it's absolutely it, it's it's unmasked. And I think of all things, I don't think it's really going to change anything the way they want it. Throwing a tantrum, I don't think does that. But I think I think. What the union is missing is the bigger picture where you're going to have a lot of people looking at that going, don't, don't keep me all that, all that, you know, this is, a, this is my calling kind of stuff. You, you shut down schools, you hung parents out to dry, and it was about money. It was about money. So, well, here's a couple other things to think, I think about. That's a poor, I think that's just a poorly played hand. Well, here's a couple other things to think about. One, you mentioned the union calling this. According to Brett McKim, the last time they did this, he said that he told them not to, but they did it anyway. Uh, and they did this in conjunction with this group called One Two O Strong. I know. Yeah, I, heard that, I, heard, I heard that little thing there, Ed, because I'm with you. Because if Brett McKim coordinated with these guys at all, then Brett McKim essentially coordinated a wildcat strike. That's illegal by any union contract. Brett McKim can be held responsible for that. So I do have a couple of people who have told me that Brett McKim is the one who worked with these guys to do it, but they refuse to give it to me in a signed affidavit. So it is what it is. I can't do anything about it because I, I, they won't give it to me in writing with their name on it. Without that affidavit or their testimony, there's no way. It's nothing but hearsay, so my hands are tied. I'm out of it. You know, so he can get away with it. But, you know, you also mentioned employers, you know, when they have to close the schools, you know, blah, 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 we're compassionate about that, and you're right. When you have inclement weather out there, snow, ice, you know, tornadoes, whatever, and they close schools due to inclement weather, all right, that that's not something that, that's a planned deal. That's something that's out of the ordinary. That's something that affects the safety of not only the students, but also affects the safety of your workers who have to try to get back and forth to working at. So most employers are a little compassionate in that. I, I was an employer for most of my life. 
I totally understand that. This is not that situation. If my employees are telling me they can't come to work and there's nothing wrong with the rows or anything else for two or three days a week because somebody else decided they wanted to call in, you know, so that their kids can't be taken care of, that's their problem. You know, and I know that sounds cold, but as an employer, I'm not going to do that consistently. And this will be the third week in a row we've asked these employers to do that. And they're taking a hit on yeah. their production. Yeah. They're taking a hit on their wages. All of this stuff. You know, the employer makes money to give raises to employees. When they're not making money, there's no money to give raises. So then the Democrats want to sit there and scream, well, the wages are down. You know, so we talk about all of these things. What about the schools? We mentioned the schools. The schools get paid, if I'm not mistaken, per student per day in class. All right, so they get more for that kid who goes to school every day of the year and doesn't miss a day than they do that kid that misses three days that year, right? So now we've got at least, if they go out tomorrow and Wednesday like they're projecting, that's at least five days that were canceled for no reason other than why they asked titty baby teachers, all right? These schools didn't make any money. How can they come back and scream that they don't have enough money in schools when the state's not paying them for a school not existing? They cost themselves that money. So how much do they really care about the kids at that point, right? So many things about this that drive me completely bonkers. It's unreal. It really, really does. Um, I want to switch yeah. to one quick story. Go, go ahead, Ed. I would say it's, just, it's a poorly played hand because it's, it's about money. Everything that's striking about is about money. It's about power. And Absolutely. Public, that does not resonate well with the public when you inconvenience them. Because you want more money and more power, so poorly played hand. And I would, if I was Brett McKim, there's no way to strike what it's gone through. No way. And if they cancel it tomorrow, it's just it's, the more cancellations, it's just going to get worse, and it's just going to get pushed back. And then, and, and this, and that's the thing we also need to look at. It's just this, this, this current legislature. Yep. And I'm not going to say I, I'm not real proud of the way they conduct themselves. They seem to be somewhat petty. It's like they're they're resu- you know it seems like some of the bills that they're pushing are for payback, and they're not above. I'm that. sure they are. So I'm sure they I, are. I think absolutely. I think a couple more sick outs, and they're going to just for spite. They're probably going to dredge up some other bill that will probably piss the teachers off. So. I, they're not above payback, and I think that's a—that's again—that's part of the poorly played hand on on behalf of the teachers. Well, I totally agree with that. Um, I want to mention one quick story. You can comment or not if you want. I know we're at the end of the hour. We got to rush. That's why I'm going to mention it real fast because I know I know you got to go. Um, but we also had a situation last week where Louisville Zoo had what they continue to describe as a sinkhole that showed up on the <laughs> park's property. Folks, that's a lie. Everybody says, oh, my God, he's saying a lie. It is a lie. This wasn't a sinkhole, folks. This was a roof collapse. There's not any doubt in my mind about that. You can take it to the bank. Underneath this property, it goes all the way across the Waterson Expressway between Poplar Level and Newburgh Road. Um, this is nothing but part of the caves, okay? These caves are man-made the caves. Cameras. Yeah, the, the ma- mega, mega caverns. Yeah. This is a mega cavern. But it's essentially a cave. These are man-made caves or a mega cavern, okay? Every every column in there is, is a column that was left from where they dug out the limestone. The ceilings are left. It's all limestone. You don't have anything shored up in there. You don't have, you know, beams from the bottom of the ground up. You don't have steel plates at the top 
right underneath the daggone roof area that these beams are holding up to protect not, us from anything. Not that a steel plate, not that anything man-made can hold up 300 feet of rock, but what the hell? I totally <laughs> agree. I totally agree. But you don't have the appearance of anything that would so, supposedly help with that, right? So here's the thing for me. In 1984, the Cordino Group and Bob Ulrich were hired to do a study on the mega caverns. The city of Louisville was actually thinking about buying those mega caverns in 1984. That study came back and said that there was serious water leakage, water flows, and seepage. All right? And the city decided not to buy the mega caverns based on that report. Guess where that water flow and seepage was? Going down the columns exactly where it fell. We've got the plats to prove it. So here's the thing. So here's the thing. They knew, the city knew in 1984 that this was basically an unsturdy property. That's why they chose not to take it because they didn't want the liability. The mega cameras was not open to the public then. It was not open to the public. Until 1997 when it was sold, the city had refused to allow this thing to be open to the public even though they didn't own it. But in 1997, it was sold to a private entity, at which point it became open to the public. The city signed off on it and said, yes, you could do this to make money. So here's the question. If this property was not in good enough shape and they were concerned about it in 1984, about something like this happening at some point, the city decided they didn't want the liability that goes with it. Yet in 1997, when this property was finally sold to a different private enterprise, they then considered a so-called building and allowed it to be open to the public, but nothing was done about the safety risks. So the city knowingly let somebody buy this property unsafe. That's like me, Ed, coming out to your house, and your house is off its foundation a little bit, and I think it's going to crumble and saying, hey, you know what? It's okay. We're going to go ahead and let you move your family and friends and everybody else in here. It's no big deal. If it falls, it falls. Because that's exactly what happened here. And that's my concern. I'm, I'm looking at the legal aspects right now to see if there's any way to go after the city for this negligence. Because they have just jeopardized anybody and everybody that goes into those caverns by allowing them to go into those caverns, number one. They have not told anybody the truth of exactly how this thing runs underneath the Waterson Expressway. If you've got seepies that finally dropped that, and it dropped straight down, folks. Look at the pictures of the trees. They're still straight up and down. They didn't go down a sinkhole. It dropped, a roof collapse. Yeah. That thing is going to continue collapsing further down the road. When does it collapse on the Waterson Expressway between Poplar Level Road and Newburgh Road when, when you're in the middle of rush hour traffic? What happens then? What happens then? So these are things that we have to start asking about with that. Ed, quick comments, or you can go into closing. Your choice. Well, You're on the time frame. I, I can go in. I, I'll do some quick comments. You know, the thing okay. is, is, is I had the same. I probably had the same thoughts you did. Is I'm looking at these videos, and of course, you can see some of the caverns just off, just off to the whatever. I guess it would be the west of this right. hole or whatever. Right. <laughs> and I'm looking at that, going, uh, even even in my amateur approach, I'm thinking, I don't think that's a sinkhole. <laughs> Yeah, because sinkholes generally, generally involve water flow. Uh, they involve right. they involve soft karst and stuff like that. All under yep. the zoo, all under that area is limestone. It is it was solid limestone. That is not 
I mean, I'm not a geologist, but I'm going to say that a, you know, that kind of thick bedrock, non-karst, you know, karst, of course, has big gaping holes in it and stuff, and it's hollow. This wasn't hollow. Those were quarries. They, you know, you don't you don't go quarrying yep. into a bunch of unstable hollow holes. So the holes were right. man-made. It, it's not really the kind of stuff sinkholes are made out of. Uh, me, I'm looking at it thinking, well, I'm glad if nobody got if it, if it, if it was if it was a case, you know one of the mega cavern collapses. I'm glad nobody got hurt. Certainly glad nobody got hurt. But. To me, being a bit of a nerd, I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, what were the pounds per square inch when that came down? <laughs> oh, right. Absolutely. Like, wow. I mean, if you used to put pennies on the railroad track, wouldn't you like to put a car underneath that and see what happens? <laughs> but, Absolutely. But, yeah, it, you it, know, the other part yeah, of that, too, Ed. I wasn't a fan of the Cardinals when they were, when they were at their peak, but... You know, if they're dying on it, it, it does definitely make you wonder. I mean, I'm going to say this. I never go, I have had to go into an industrial complex in a cave, in a man made cave like that in Kansas City, and it creeped the hell out of me because I'm looking up at the ceiling going, what's over me? What? 500 feet <laughs> of rock? You know, they come right. down. They're not going to even dig you out. <laughs> well, I've actually, actually been in the mega caverns. I mean, when I was a contractor, the mega caverns, uh, they do have a couple of dumping areas in there. So when I was a contractor, there were times that I would go in there with my truck and dump. Uh, you know, you pay for it, of course. Yeah, you I, yeah, you know, I, I never, I, well, I, I, let me tell you something. I'm extremely claustrophobic. That's why I only used it twice. I, I did not like it at all. It was very unsettling. This was back when I was a much younger man. Today, I wouldn't go in that thing to save my life. All right. Seriously, that's before the damn thing dropped. But, but that's the whole thing. But I do want to point out one thing, and then we'll get into closing. It was, it was the, the thing that made it so suspicious, and the only reason that this started getting looked into, I've got a guy that does research. He's a hell of a lot better than me. Uh, I don't like telling him that much because, you know, it kind of, it's kind of insulting for me. But uh, he actually finds things a lot better than I do. And, you know, we both started looking at the same time, and he uncovered the plot for that. So we started cross-referencing and everything else. The only reason that we decided to look at this and research it was because they immediately, immediately tried to make a link and put the implication out that this happened because of some earthquake in East Tennessee. It was a 3.9 earthquake in East Tennessee. So by the time it got here, if you felt anything at all, well, you just didn't feel anything here. Nobody felt an earthquake here. So they're trying to say that this 3.9 Richter scale earthquake in East Tennessee was possibly the reason this happened. And that was a bullshit lie. It was clearly oh, obvious to me is. from the initial even, story. Even, even if it is, even if it is, you've got these mega cameras. They're using for storage of all sorts of stuff. You're telling me, you're telling me a, uh, an earthquake from, from 300 miles away? A little, right. a little, a barely even a tremor from 300 miles right. away is going right. to make it collapse. Okay, folks, what That's happens when the thing. Knee pops? Yeah, it's like you know. That's the thing. So me, if a little, if a little, if a little, the thing can barely make a ripple in your in your right. in your water if you're right on top of it. And in East Tennessee, it's not even going to make a ripple in your in your bourbon in your bourbon. Well, this whole glass. thing, what the absolutely, hell? absolutely, and that's what made this whole thing interesting. Because the original research was trying to find out where to, you know, to, to get a good look at the fault line, 
the path of that earthquake, everything else, to see if it was even remotely possible. That was that was knocked out immediately. It wasn't even remotely possible that had anything to do with it. But during the course of that research, we found this study from a 1984 article. I've got it archived now. They can't get rid of it. They uh, we found a study from this 1984 article from Bob Ulrich, uh, who's an engineer, a uh, professor of engineering. He was teaching at U of L for many many years. This guy apparently don't have a clue. Joe Cordino Group. And here's the thing about all of this. That's how we found this thing was looking for earthquake evidence which was totally false immediately. We were able to discount that right away. And then this thing pops up, and now we know the truth of what's really going on in there. Over time, I don't care how good the limestone is, you know, if there's a crack anywhere in the limestone at all, that water is going to go through there, and it's eventually going to make it a weak structure, which is what happened here. And that water is continuing to leak everywhere else in there on other columns. So the problem was they tried to blame it on the earthquake, or at least tried to imply it was the earthquake, uh, which was a lie that immediately raised red flags, which is the only reason we found this. But it's interesting that today in the Corradino group, uh, through the years, how much money has the city of Louisville spent on the Corradino group, uh, you know, doing studies and everything else and then burying the information. He's a player. He's one of the cabal players. So that concerns me a great deal. I wonder how many other things that the Corradino group or Bob Ulrich has been involved in, that, uh, you know, nobody knew about, you know, or has paid attention to through the years. I'm not blaming them for doing something bad because they did mention the water seepage and everything else in the report. The city made a decision. I'm not blaming Corradino for that. But how many studies have they buried? Because it was clearly buried in 1997 when they decided they were going to go ahead and let this dangerous structure be opened to the public. So we've got a history of lies and a history of not giving one shit about public safety from the Democratic cabal that runs this thing that goes all the way back decades. And this is a clear, I mean, this is a clear path to proving what we've been talking about. And believe me, I'm already looking at legal remedies here, too, if I can possibly pull them off. We have to see how that one goes. Got to have skin in the game, folks. But uh, anyway, Ed, I, I didn't mean to cut you in this far. Uh, final no thoughts, problem. comments, whatever you want to do. Uh, final thoughts. You know, we, we've got this budget there for a little while. The mayor thought he was going to push it through and, and, and quadruple, triple our insurance, our insurance premium taxes. And, you know, I'm going to say it's, it's not just this year, but it's a lot of groups. It's uh, it's Take Back Kentucky. It's uh, activists, you know, intelligent uh, Democrats like Daniel Borges and stuff. A lot of people have risen up. And the mayor thought he had this. mayor thought he had a, an Abramson-like mayor for life thing. And he said he needed this. He sprung it on people. And what did people do? We got cynical and we got nasty, you know, and like you're, you know, everybody's like, I don't think so. And people got in contact with their, with their, with their uh, council members and said, don't you dare. This is, this is not automatic. And here we are. And we've got the Democrats and everybody else is saying, you know, and, and we've held this and, and the people have held this up. They want to rubber stamp that bad boy. They were they were on the cusp of doing it when the mayor came out and said, we need to raise this money. They were almost there, and then the public lit up on them. And I think, people, it works. It works, and, and you know, to be honest, it's an insurance tax. It's, it's not like it's a full tax. It's tripling your house tax. But, you know, and it, so it's not massive, but it's insulting is what it is. And people finally in Louisville finally got insulted enough to where they stood up to this mayor and it worked. 
Uh, you know, I can't argue with that. I think you're absolutely 100% right. You know, this is what happens when you finally decide to get involved and take a stand. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they're going to get the bond issue. The Democrats are going to have to cave on that because they always do. They know they're going to get reelected anyway because they always do. They're going to pass the tax hike on March the 21st because they always get what they want. Fisher's going to get everything he wants. Nobody cares. Because the way the Democrats on the council are thinking, yeah, this is great to do this public display of bipartisanship and stuff because it's not going to cost them anything. Because when the next mayoral election comes around and the next council elections come around, it's all going to be the same lip service. Well, it was the mayor's fault. It wasn't our fault. He pushed us in a corner. We had to do this to save the city. So they've got that plausible deniability that, you know, everybody wants to talk about. And that's exactly what they're going to use. We didn't have a choice. It was the mayor's fault. He created this mess. It was the only thing we could do to save it. But the fact that we stood up right now and made at least some statement is a good start. I'd like to see that continue. I would like to see us hold these councilmen to the fire and not allow them to pass this at all. But unfortunately, the Democrats don't have that much balls. It's easy to take a vote in advance like this. It really is meaningless in the big picture. It's easy to let Greg Fisher go out there and threaten all these projects and everything else. But as Mr. McAdam just pointed out a few minutes ago, it's all empty threats because we have all kinds of clauses in there that protects the city. That there's none of this stuff that Greg Fisher, Matt Goat, and Michael Connell out there saying are true. They're all lies, which really should concern you even as much as well, at least as much as this whole situation is concerned. Here you got Michael Connell and Matt Goat, the two, the two flyboys at the county attorney's office, that make all the decisions are sitting out there lying to you as well. These are supposed to be lawyers. They're supposed to deal in the truth in this kind of stuff. They're supposed to represent the council, but they're also supposed to make sure that Louisville is taken care of. So if they're out there spreading lies, how many more lies are they spreading in court? You know? So that's a problem for me, too. It goes to the heart of credibility. And I expect my attorneys that are working in the public sector to have some credibility. And that concerns me a great deal. Not that I've ever thought either one of those people had any credibility, but maybe others in the community will finally see that now, too. And we'll see where it goes from there. Mr. Martin, thank you very much for calling as usual. Yes, we appreciate sir. it. Thank you. All right. We'll see you, see you next week, sir. In the meantime, folks, I know we went a little long tonight. I appreciate you tuning in and listening. Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, I apologize for that couple of minutes of dead at the first when we lost um, Skype for whatever reason. But I'm glad we were able to get it worked out. So with all that said, I hope we gave you something to think about. Enjoy your week. We appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Take care. God bless. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.